Hey guys, it's Chad here. Before you get into this week's episode, I just wanted to give you a little heads up. We've been having a little bit of difficulty with our mics and our audio. This week, about the last 20 minutes, you'll notice a little bit of buzzing. We tried to clean it up as much as possible. Please bear with us. We're new to this editing thing. We're new to this podcasting thing, but I promise we'll continue to do our best to give you the best sounding, best quality podcast we can. Enjoy this week's episode. to the most exciting, the newest, the most brand newest and exciting, that's redundant, podcast you've <laughs> ever heard before. We are the Midwestern Nerds. I am your host, Chad. And I'm the other host, Brian. And we are excited to be back with you week five, Brian, episode number five. And that's excluding the pilot, which means we're on our sixth episode. A month and a half worth of podcasting right here. A month and a half worth of People having to listen to us, us bombarding our friends and family to listen to us talk for an hour at a time. We apologize. But yeah, we don't because oh, this I was is... going to say you're welcome. <laughs> you apologize. I was going to say you're welcome. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Let's get it out of the way. Remember, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Anchor. If you're looking to listen to us, you can find us at MidwesternNerds.com. That's right. We got a website. Whoop, whoop. You can find us at the Midwestern Nerds podcast on Facebook, at Midwestern Nerds on Instagram, at Midwestern Nerds on Twitter, and Midwestern Nerds at gmail.com. Remember, that is Midwestern Nerds. Again, we will have all the links in our posts, and we have everything you possibly need to find us on our website. That is M I D W E S T E R N E R. DS.com. With all the stuff everyone doesn't want to hear about out of the way, let's dive headfirst into something else that is virtual this year. Not only is our podcast virtual, San Diego Comic Con 2020 was virtual this year. Yeah, this happened last uh, weekend, and um, along with the majority of things in 2020, this was a little bit of a disappointment, if I'm going to be honest. For for me, um, it was so bad at times that the uh, head of Funko released an apology video to everybody just about how crapshoot that whole debacle was about getting your comic-con exclusive pops that we talked about a couple weeks ago what do you mean brian i got all the pops i wanted the oh wait no none of them <laughs> you got the one pop didn't you yeah the one the, yeah. the one that you really wanted though which is Folks, the important thing if you're not aware of the debacle that happened with funko pops so generally speaking when um pops get released from comic cons they're all released on the same day whether it's at the at the the comic con at the convention or in store you can go and you can get them in store but unfortunately because a lot of stores are looking at hey this isn't going to happen this year we're not going to have as many people in store everybody kind of went rogue yeah and even if you didn't want to buy 
the pops like in the actual physical stores uh previous years they would all still release on the same day but they would kind of like space it out so you know like amazon would have their exclusive release at 10 o'clock and the funko page would have theirs release at nine o'clock but the important thing is they'd all be released on the same day which was announced by comic-con by funko by these retailers so all of you people who are out looking for them all of your funko pop hunters all of your collectors flippers whoever you are like oh they're coming out on this day i'm gonna go to work today and not think about it for a second and then like a whirlwind you miss six releases in an eight hour day yeah we actually missed the funko shop pops like the exclusive pops they had all of them but then like even their exclusive ones they released the night that we recorded last week's episode so we got back i got back home and i go on my phone and i go on facebook and i look and i'm like uh and i text the chat and i'm like we missed the comic-con pops because we were doing our podcast and had no idea and just the horror stories that i heard about people online you know some waited in the virtual line for like two hours just to find out that the ones that they wanted were sold out like it it was just a crapshoot they waited in line to not get what they wanted the sites were crashing like left and right things were just going wrong and it's again let's blame covid for it but it's because nobody wanted to fall in line if we would have just done it exactly like we've all done it before hey everything's gonna drop on july 23rd the amazon drop will be at 8 a.m the funko shop pop will be at 10 a.m Oh, Hot Topic is at noon, Box Launch is at 12.30. You know, on and on and on and on, which is how it has worked in the past. Why did it not work this way? Ooh, I don't know. I, I don't even have an answer. No, and I don't even think, like, Funko has an answer. Their apology video that they sent out was, like, very vague, and it was just kind of like, yep, we uh, shit the bed here, we realize this, we apologize, we'll do better next time. And that was, like, it. But, yeah, the Funko Shop, theirs went up on Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. And then, like, Target went up on Thursday. And, like, the the Iron Bob one that we wanted from FYE, that one won, went up on Thursday. There were some that went up on Friday. Like, some that went live on Saturday. It was just all over and it just a big, complete mess. Oh, it was a cluster fudge. And, and again, like... We understand we're not just blind to the fact that things will change and things will not go perfectly when it comes to this pandemic, global pandemic world we live in now. But come on, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If this has worked in the past, let's just keep doing it. I would love to know the answer. Like, did they make more money? Did it go more smoothly for them? Like, whatever it may be, I'd love to see in the next couple of weeks if we find out that the reason that the retailers did this, chances are we won't find out, but it would just be really nice to know why this happened and that's just one side of comic-con the other side of comic-con is the actual panels where movies tv shows like all this nerdy stuff like comes together in one place and they talk about new things that are coming out they tease some things they show some things well since we couldn't all get together at san diego this year they did it virtually online and it more or less felt just like those zoom reunions that have been happening all throughout covid where like a show gets together and they're like oh let's talk about the glory days and that's about it because as you'll find out as 
as this episode progresses, there's not a whole lot of news this week because nothing was really announced over Comic-Con. Nothing new came out. Even, like, the big projects and movies and stuff that is expected to come out, like, either this year or in, like, the coming future, nothing new was really said. I mean, for example, there's things like I listened to the Doctor Who panel because they're talking about the Time or yeah Time Lord Victorious event that's going on, and it was mostly just like the creators being like, "Yeah, this project's really fun. We can't really talk about a whole lot that's going on, but it's great, it's fun, and we're excited to give it to you." Well, at least in you know, and that's for those of you who haven't been to a Comic Con before. If there's something out there that interests you about a Comic Con. Um, an actor that may be there, a comic book artist that may be there, a panel that you want to see, go and do it. For you guys that were in the Midwest, C2E2 happens every spring. That was my first Comic-Con, and it blew my mind. You're sitting down watching the Stranger Things panel. You get to then run across the, the, the convention floor and see Stan Lee sit down for an interview. Like, it's crazy. You get to meet people that you never thought you'd get to meet. You get to sit in. And, and again, that's where a lot of this fun comes from in conventions is that fan aspect where we give in to the excitement that is Comic-Con because those panels are great, but if they're just sitting up there talking, they're not beating into their fans, there's no from the back, you know. There's a lot of things that we're just missing to just do a virtual panel. Yeah, and you would think that because we don't get that experience this year that they would at least, you know, do the things that they would do in the past to get us excited, you know, announce some secret project that they've been working on to raise excitement oh, we have a movie coming out, let's show you, like, a new trailer for it. Nothing really came out this weekend about, like, any of that stuff. I was... The few panels that I watched, I felt like it, I just more or less was just a waste of time. You just popped into a YouTube video that you watched for three minutes, weren't impressed, and then moved on with your day. It was kind of like just background noise after a while because the majority of them I was listening to while I was at work working on my computer and i was like oh like i'm excited to hear what they're going to talk about and then like 10 minutes later it's like oh they're not really talking about anything my hopes were dashed and i hate all of you (laughs) (laughs) so that was comic-con this year uh with that we're gonna get into the news where we're gonna talk about some things that were announced let us be your comic-con let us excite you with news that san diego didn't want to give you Screw San Diego. You've got us. You've got the Midwestern nerds. Do you like The Walking Dead? Do you like uh, properties that are from the creator of The Walking Dead, Robert Kirkman? Well, there's a new show coming to Amazon Prime uh, this year. It's There's no um, release date announced yet, but there is a new cast released for Invincible, which is deemed by a lot of like the comic book community as like robert kirkman's like golden child you know when you think of robert kirkman you think of the walking dead but like this is the one property that's deemed a little bit higher as far as like the comic books go there's a new animated show coming out and uh the cast that they've announced for this show is phenomenal and the more people that they keep announcing for this show the more excited that i get just to see the talent behind it uh comic-con last weekend they announced six new cast members and all six of these people were characters and cast members on the walking dead tv show 
Uh, so they are going to be voicing a group of characters in this show called the Guardians of the Globe. And they're kind of like this universe's version of Justice League. Um, Chad L. Coleman, who played Tyrese in The Walking Dead, he will be portraying Martian Man. Uh, Sonequa Martin-Green, who played Sasha, is going to be Green Ghost. Uh, Michael Kudlitz, who played Abraham in Walking Dead, is going to be Red Rush. Lauren Cohen, who played Maggie, is going to be War Woman. Ross Marquand, who played Aaron in Walking Dead, is going to be voicing the Immortal and Aquarius. He's going to be voicing two characters. And Lenny James, who plays Morgan, is going to be Darkwing. And all six of these people, like I said, are going to be the voices of this Guardians of the Globe team in Invincible. And if that doesn't get you excited enough, the cast, like I said, is stacked. Like, Steven Yoon, who played uh, Glenn in The Walking Dead, is going to be the main character of Mark Grayson. J.K. Simmons is going to be his father. Zachary Quinto is going to be voicing a character called Robot. Uh, Sandra Oh, who you might know from Grey's Anatomy, she's going to be playing uh, Mark Grayson's mother, Debbie Grayson. Uh, other actors in this show, uh, Walton Goggins, Mark Hamill, Gillen Jacobs, uh, and Seth Rogen, just to name a few. Like This cast is stacked. And it's, it's one thing to be excited about, you know, a cast for a show. But what is this show actually about? Well, the description for the TV series is as follows. From Robert Kirkman and Corey Walker, and based on the Skybound, an image comic of the same name, Invincible is an adult animated superhero show that revolves around Mark Grayson, a normal teenager except for the fact that his father is the most powerful superhero on the planet. Shortly after his 17th birthday, Mark begins to develop powers of his own and enters into his father's tutelage. The series is suspenseful, action-filled, and emotion-packed, yet builds upon poignant and heartwarming moments of love, friendship, and humanity. I haven't read this series yet. I have all the books, just haven't gotten to them yet. But what I've heard, the general feel that I get for this series is like if... Robert Kirkman of The Walking Dead wrote Superman to be more like Spider-Man and have this world and universe have very similar similar elements to Dragon Ball Z. That's this show. That's this the property. The thing that I take away from this whole article. I'll give you three things. It's going to take maybe four things. Robert Kirkman's Invincible ran for 14 years. Unless you're a Superman, or a Batman, or a Spider-Man, you don't run for 14 years. 144 issues. They're not slagging off. They were busy the entire time. And then, these two points jump right out at me. Unflinching violence and adult themes that will not be washed away by Amazon. They're going to take exactly what Kirkman did... In, these, in this series, in this comic book run, and turn it into an animated TV show. I know, guys, Brian hit me with this. Jazz hit me with this when he was on the show. You have hit me with this in person. I'm aware. I need to get my Amazon Prime account figured out. I need to watch the boys. Please stop with the text messages. Please stop with the berating in public. 
my family has seen me cry. No, I'm kidding. Um, but again, I'm working on I'm working on it. And this is just another reason to push ahead and get this Amazon Prime thing figured out because this show looks phenomenal. Yeah, I've paged. Like I said, I I own the books. I just haven't gotten to them yet. They're on my giant stacks of books that are on my living room floor. If there's a story. If if we were gonna write a biography for Brian, it would be like. That giant stack of books I never got to, the Brian Stoffel story. Pretty much. Like, it's gotten to the point where I don't have shelf space. I literally have, like, eight giant stacks of books on my floor that I just haven't touched yet. And the Invincible series is in there. I've paged through them. They are pretty gory. Like, there's a lot. There's blood. There's lots of action and violence going on. And one of the things that Robert Kirkman did before... Uh, it was popular with like game of thrones is that you know people die and characters like don't come back there are things that happen in that happen in these stories that don't get retcon like the characters in the world kind of has to adapt to them and all that stuff is very uh prominent in this story so i'm i'm excited to see this show and it makes me even more excited to just get into the source material in and of itself pulling away from comic books we want to talk to you about something that some of you cool cats and kittens might not know about hopefully you guys are aware of who the rolling stones are hopefully you guys are aware of who jimmy page is if you don't know stop this podcast go google youtube spotify the rolling stones and then listen to it, and then move on to Jimmy Page and listen to some Zeppelin. Please, do it for us. Do it for yourself. You'll appreciate it. The news, however, regarding these two phenomenal musical masterminds uh, comes from the song Scarlet. So the Stones are reissuing a 1973 album uh, called The Goat's Head Soup. Um, it's coming out September 4th again. So this is over 50 years old, uh, just short of. It was an album that released back then. It was popular back then. Uh, but this is a collab song with Jimmy Page of Zeppelin and the Stones. And as Mick Jagger remembers it, he's like, I just remember just jamming in the basement with Jimmy and Keith down in Ronnie's basement studio. And we weren't really planning on anything. We weren't really recording anything. But he just hit the red button and let it all flow. Not exactly sure what was happening back in the 60s and 70s with the Rolling Stones, but Keith Richards remembers it a little bit different. Uh, he said Zeppelin was finishing it up in the studio, and we were next, and Jimmy just stuck around. We weren't recording, we weren't planning on putting a, a down a track, but we were just jamming, and this one came out of it. So, again, this reissue of Goat's Head Soup by the Rolling Stones is going to include a Never Heard track, which was a collab with... Um, Zeppelin's Jimmy Page and the Rolling Stones. Uh, if you can't wait for the album to come out, the song is up. I listened to it on YouTube. I was actually kind of impressed with with it because I'm going to get some flack from Chad here, but that's okay. I gave him enough shit for the Alien and Predator stuff, but like, I'm not a big Rolling Stones fan at all. And... This song kind of impressed me. I'm not going to lie. It didn't, I didn't get, like, the just feels that I usually get from Rolling Stones. And I feel like Jimmy Page added a lot to the song with his guitar work in it. I think that a thing that I really like about it is whenever you hear, like, 
oh, an unreleased track from this artist, and oh, a collab that you never heard of before. For the longest time, I was always so excited as a huge music fan, but over the years, it's like, stop with the money grab. Enough. There's a reason it was unheard. It's a reason yep. that you did not put it on your album in the first place. It's because it didn't belong there. I met this with the same cynicism, the same skepticism, and I was wrong. This has got Stones and Page written all over it. It is a beautiful collaboration. If you like the Stones and their style of music, and if you enjoy the guitar work of Jimmy Page, or if you just enjoy that... <clears throat> British attack culture rock and roll that came through with the Beatles and the Stones and you just enjoy good guitar work this song is something you should look up again you can find it if I'm not mistaken it is on it might be on Spotify already but I could be wrong but it's for sure on YouTube search Rolling Stones uh, Scarlet Rolling Stones Jimmy Page Scarlet if you guys would like I'll leave a link in our post today uh, when when the uh, podcast goes out Take a listen to it, and hopefully if this turns you on enough that you guys are like, oh my gosh, who are these guys? I've never listened to them. Pick up the album when it comes out on September 4th. Give it a listen. I'm sure it'll be out on plenty of listening platforms. Oh, did we just turn a best off in the news? Ah, we might have. I think we did. Let's call it a best off right now. Well, this will be retroactive for later because I don't think I came up with the best off for later. The Rolling Stones are a best off before we were even old enough to recommend best stop before our parents even thought about us being old enough to have best stops give the rolling stones a listen if you've never listened please do yourself a favor i don't even care if you go into spotify or google and search their top hits and listen to it please enjoy them please enjoy this song you will not be disappointed and for our final news story of the week uh it's kind of news it's news ish uh like like we mentioned, it was a light, light week for news, news that we feel like we wanted to talk about. Uh, there was a new rumor that came out over the weekend from the Illuminati. Um, they are confirming that Haley Steinfeld has been cast as Kate Bishop to be the next Hawkeye in the Hawkeye series. Haley Steinfeld, uh, Pitch Perfect 2 or 3, if I'm not mistaken. She was in the Bumblebee uh, movie. There's been a handful of things that she's had her hand in. Edge of 17 and True Grit, I think, were two of her best movies that she's been in. But she's a young, up-and-coming actress. Absolutely. Someone who can definitely pick up. Like I said, these movies that she has been in were not movies that I would have picked up to watch. So I don't have a large opinion based on her. Um, but again, a big up-and-comer, and it's really nice to see, even if it's a rumor, big names being attached to projects that we're excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she was kind of like the obvious choice. She just resembles the character a lot as far as like physical appearance, and she's just an overall like great actress. Uh, the two movies that I listed, lastly, True Grit and edge of 17 like she was phenomenal in both of those and i think she might have gotten an oscar nod for true grit i don't know if she got the award but i think she got a nomination for that and she was like i think 10 or 12 when she did that movie so very good actress very up and coming um but yeah i'm excited this was hawkeye is one of the shows 
like one of the MCU shows that I think I'm the most excited for. Uh, the source material that it's based off of by Matt Fraction is phenomenal. Uh, Don't hold back. We're gonna. <laughs> Come on. We're, Chad did it the last story. I'll do it this story. Uh, another best staff recommendation. If you haven't checked out Hawkeye by Matt Fraction, uh, you need to check it out. It's such a good series. And he does such a good job in developing the character of Kate Bishop where it makes me excited to see um, that series that's going to be based off of that show. Uh, again, this is just a rumor, but it'd be nice if it, if it was true. Absolutely. And for those of you guys who are sitting there where I have sat before, if your only image of Hawkeye is directly out of the Marvel Universe... Yes, Jeremy Renner did a great job in the MCU. Please give Hawkeye more love. He deserves it, especially when you get a guy behind him like Matt Fraction. You absolutely need to look this up. This is absolutely a great best stop. I was going to say, if I had to choose a best stop, you should choose Hawkeye, but I can't pick him over the stones. I'm sorry. <laughs> look them both up. We make these best stop recommendations for you guys because they're things that we think are awesome. Check them out. If you don't, not a big deal. But I promise you're not going to pick something up that we give the best stuff seal of approval to. You're not going to hate it. You Absolutely. Won't. It just and will not happen. The one last thing I'll say about this series, just to kind of make you feel a little bit easier about jumping into something brand new, is that this series is very new reader friendly. Uh, there's not a whole lot that you need to know about Hawkeye, about the Marvel Universe. Um, before jumping into it, you won't feel confused at all or lost at all in it. Anything that you need to know, the series does a really good job of bringing you up to speed on it as it's going. All right. Like we said, we didn't have a ton of news. It was a very light news week. So we're going to keep chugging along and moving ahead to their main topic. And this week, our main topic is more exciting than the news. It's more exciting than the than the, the channel I checked down. It's more exciting than the best stop. Brian has some very exciting news for us. Yeah, this is bigger than any of the news that uh, we talked about here earlier. Um, I found out this week that uh, we got an offer accepted for a house. Uh, my girlfriend and I have been house hunting for probably two months now it's been about half of the coronavirus pandemic uh quarantining uh i moved in with her for a while and we just decided that you know we wanted to live together uh and an apartment wasn't big enough for the two of us so we went house hunting we've been doing it for a couple months and now we finally got an offer accepted in this hot fiery uh market of the housing market that it's it's just it's been a struggle but we yeah we're getting a new house i'm excited woo, woo. this is awesome news if you guys don't know who brian is brian's an awesome human being if you don't know who his girlfriend is she is an awesome human being and we love them both we give them a lot of midwestern nerds love it is exciting news that you guys found a house i know you guys have been digging hard you've been digging long you've been digging strong to find a place this is awesome. Such exciting news. Yeah, and with that news, going into the main topic, we decided that this week we wanted to talk about our favorite homes slash houses in media. So movies, TV shows, comic books, anywhere that you could see a house as far as media goes. We're going to be talking about our favorites on this. Uh, Chad, what are some of your favorites? 
So I have always talked about this for a long time and now it'll never happen because it was this dream of mine forever to fall off the face of the earth for like 10 years. Like I'm single, no wife, no kids. I'm just going to fall off the face of the earth, leave my job, have some savings set aside and just go into the woods and like Uncle Tom's cabin, like build a cabin in the woods, hunt for my food, forage for my berries. So the first place that I want to talk about that I think would be awesome to live in is the Shire. I want to kick it back to Middle Earth. I want to kick it back to hopefully when there's not a giant war for for five armies or three realms. Uh, but I want to kick it back to the Shire, man. Like, the world that the hobbits live in. I think I, maybe I'm fantasizing, like, less about the, the, like, the home itself and more about the entire neighborhood, the entire environment. But, like, you're telling me if it was the right height requirement, you would not love living in Bilbo's house? Dude, it's hardwood top to bottom it's in the side of a hill you have one only one entrance to your house no one can break in also all your neighbors are super nice and friendly and it's like a giant farming community in the most lush lands portrayed in and shot in new zealand how I'm, can you go wrong i'm disappointed that i didn't think of this because <laughs> you, you're absolutely right i stood up in a wedding probably Gosh, that was like five, six years ago already. And it was at this winery that had like a little hobbit village. And it was like on the side of a hill. It was gorgeous. And it's the closest thing that I'll probably ever get to the Shire (laughs) in my entire life. Unless somehow I save up enough money after buying this house to go to New Zealand and see the sets themselves. But I thought you were going to go, your lead up to it, I thought you were going to go with Ron Swanson's cabin in Parks and Rec (laughs) about just, you know, breaking off from the world, building your own cabin out in the middle of nowhere, and that's where I thought you were going. Defense spikes (laughs) and traps and stuff. Yeah, no, I had to go Shire, like, as much as I think that the cabin in the woods, no one around you at all, just sounds heavenly to me. I just have never been able to stray away from that world and that community that the hobbits built in the Shire. Just, oh. So the fact that you're like, oh, your shingles are getting bad. Mow them. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? cut your grass and now your roof is new. But yeah, that is that's that is one of my one of my two picks. Uh, I have a little more than two, so I'll, I'll read off a couple of them. Okay. I had, the first one that I had to go with that I thought of was the Home Alone house. That gorgeous house in that movie, uh, just the outside of it, it's like, yes, that house is beautiful. And then just all of the little, like, booby traps that I'd probably expect to see in there from... uh... What does Kevin McAllister's dad do? Don't they have, like, seven kids? And then he takes the kids, the wife, the aunts and uncles, and cousins on a trip to Paris, and also... I couldn't. I don't even think I could afford the electric bill for that house. More or less, a family trip and the mortgage and everything else that goes along with it. What was his job? Do um, they ever say? I don't think they do. My theory is he's a Trump because Trump was in the second one, like escaped to New York or whatever. Like, yeah, I'm just gonna say that he's like it's, a Trump or a Kardashian, a, like a some mogul, big big family money. Yeah, or he pulled uh walter white and just you know started selling meth and crystal meth did hard in chicago (laughs) okay that's fair so going with that uh tony stark's mansion in the mcu uh if i could pick a mansion to live in 
like the one in Malibu on the hillside. Yeah, up on that rocky hillside, well, you got can't live there. you got San Diego like in the background, and I could never live in California. I couldn't do it. Like I might, I, I might whine about the like the cold here sometimes, but oh god, the avocado toast and the, the <laughs> PBR for no reason with the greased up mustaches. I can't live in California. Honestly, like a lot of that is just kind of like the stereotypical things that you see i went to san diego last year not to comic-con unfortunately but i went with a friend and we we lived there for a week and it was a lot different than what you see on tv at least as far as like the places that we went to and saw so i'll say this so when i said the shire i liked their community i think more than i liked the house how about this we take we take his malibu mansion and we stick it on a hillside in Door County, okay. overlooking the bay, rather than San Diego. I'll take, I can get behind I'll, that. I'll take that, too. Okay, all right. I'll take that, too. <laughs> uh, keeping with the mansions, uh, Wayne Manor. Um, the only one that we've ever seen is, like, the ones in the movies, because they literally use the same mansion in Britain for every single movie <laughs> like all of the dark knight movies they used it for i'm pretty sure they used it for batman v superman yeah, uh, I think so. like any time that you need a mansion not just in dc that was the x mansion in the last x-men movies that came out like any big like castle looking like stereotypical mansion they use the same building but These even people, like nobody's lived in there for years, but they're like, "You need a mansion? We got it." Uh, pretty much, like that's probably how they afford to like keep it go like up and running, you know? But yeah, we'll we'll rent it out to this movie company for a couple weeks so they can <laughs> film their shots. Paid, they're getting paid just enough money just to keep it standing. Like, yeah, new scaffolding <laughs> in, and new posts every day. They're like, "This is gonna fall down." But even if we wanted to get outside of the movies, just like that mansion in like the comic books and then to have the whole bat cave underneath with all the gadgets and toys yeah wayne manor is definitely a place that i would want to be uh you want to go through the rest of your list i have two more and one i don't think is technically fair because it's not a house um hogwarts castle it counts. They they do live there for like a whole school year. You so, know. You know. You slap me like I wanna. This you could gonna... go. You could even. You want a rough and tough like Ron Swanson or whatever. Just live in Hagrid's. Hagrid's hut. hut. I was thinking if I lived in Hogwarts too. Like I want all the benefits of being in the castle, but I don't want to live in a dormitory. Like I want to know where the teachers go to, because they must have their own like living quarters because yeah they, if they live on campus you never see this but there's no way they just have like a room to sleep in like the dormitory of the kids where there's like five there would be five teachers packed in well even I'm the man- kids dorms like that living space you know yeah like gryffindor tower and whatnot like i'm, a, I'm imagining like a rumor of acquirement style and like enlarging spell where they've got like a studio apartment inside of hogwarts and it's like Oh, let me just magic up some food. And again, I'm aware you can't magic up food, but if you make a call down to the kitchen, you're like, yo, I'm hungry. The house elves float you some food up onto your table. Like, it's a pretty swanky setup. And you know Snape's got to have some decent sleeping potions. So even after <laughs> a long day, he's got you set up. If I'm picturing you at all in the Harry Potter universe living on Hogwarts, I'm picturing you as a character like Hagrid. 
or like Filch, just like. But instead of a cat, you're walking around with your with your two ha- with my your two dogs, hounds, and you're just like, like. You're just like stop running down the hallway. Shaking out of beds. <laughs> so I mean, there. This is if you guys are not if you do not know me personally, this is a perfect depiction of who I am as a human being. I'm either a large, hairy, extremely friendly human being, or a furiously angry person, a furiously angry curmudgeon all the time. You cannot catch me in the middle unless I'm asleep. Yep. <laughs> and then you're going to get only one if you wake me up. But yes, that is a perfect... I'm either Rubius Hagrid or Argus Filch with cat or with dogs. Yep. Perfect depiction. Yep. I love it. <laughs> and your last one? My last one is I've always really been in love with um, the setup on Tatooine where you walk up to this little hut... And you go inside, and it ends up being, like, this huge cavern of living space. I don't know exactly how you draw property lines on Tatooine, but when on the surface you have, like, an igloo-sized hut that's, like, 12 foot by 6 foot, but somehow below it and off to the right you've got more than, like, 2,400 square feet of house. Well, not only that, but, like, most of the houses that they show in Star Wars, it's like you're in the middle of nowhere and you have, like... 10,000 acres of land. Uh, granted, yeah. it's desert sand, but it's still land. So again, back to the Ron Swanson thing. No one around me. <laughs> so Aunt, Aunt Peru and Uncle Owen, you move out. I'm coming in. Well, they did move out. <laughs> they moved out pretty quick. Um, it has never to be came back. It has to be open. I mean, we just have to sweep them up off of the porch. But that's what was my other pick. I'm going to go... Uh, down the TV route, um, I'm going to go with the Simpsons house, that iconic house. It's a big house. If you fixed it up nice, it would be pretty decent. That's four bedrooms, right? Yeah. Four bedrooms, two bath, fenced-in backyard. It's a decent house. Yeah. I mean, looking... Like I said, I've been house hunting for the past several months now, and if I could land a house like that, even just to fix up a little bit, because, you know... The Simpsons, they're not upkeeping that house at all. They're no, just... and the thing that, too, like, you look at TV houses, the thing that Seth MacFarlane can do and the thing that all these creators can do, anybody with any job can live in any house. Yep. Look at the Family Guy house. That was a four-bedroom, two-bath house, two stories with a finished basement. Peter worked at a brewery, and Lois was a stay-at-home mom. They were not And before that, money. he worked at a toy factory. Yeah, <laughs> not, not in a higher position. They were not making the money to pay the bills for that house. Yeah, like, the... Did Lois have any jobs? I mean, I think she did like she here did and there in episodes, here, but yeah. And she did this there, and, but it was just like that's the thing about TV where they can just be like, "Oh, here you go. You live in this house. You make X amount of money because you do this job, but you can live in this mo- house that you would never be able to afford." So like I watch those shows as such a like just the dark side of my mind is like they could never afford that house just like me. Right? Uh, keeping on with the nostalgia and like just the houses that I grew up watching on TV, uh, Full House. I'd love to live in that house in the middle of San Diego, and like that's a giant, like it was a giant house. And not only that, but like later on in the show when Jesse marries Becky and they have their family and they redo the loft upstairs to be like another house on top of a house. The thing I think that's the most fascinating about that house is when you look at that property when it's the milkman, the paper, the evening TV, and it shows the house from the outside. 
how is their backyard that big? Right? Like, I realize it's TV. <laughs> we're not, come on, we're not delusioned here at the Midwesterners podcast. We're aware of the situation that it's on TV. There's no way their backyard was that. It was a, literally a slip for comment to crap If that. On. If that. If that. He had a puppy pad on the patio, and that was it. You know, maybe they had some Time Lord technology, and it was, you know, bigger in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, again, oh, my God. They had, it was at least two bedrooms in the basement, because at one point, Joey and... Um, uh, Jesse were down there. Yep. They had rooms for, I guess the girls split a room, Danny had a room, and the, Michelle, had, Michelle a room. had a room. So three downstairs, two in the basement, three upstairs, five bedrooms. Then on the first floor, f- huge kitchen and living space, like just yep. ginormous. And then again, you don't really see the attic area until that marriage happens, but then the fact that that whole loft gets turned into a a one or a two bedroom, one bathroom apartment in their yeah. attic. Like, yeah, that house is insane. So yes, and again, I don't know who's paying the bills. I mean, Danny Tanner and uh, Becky are like TV hosts. Jesse is a jingle writer. Uh, Jesse jo- and Joey are jingle, are jingle writers. writers. Joey has like his own kids show at one point, and Jesse's doing his band so stuff. So this is more feasible. This is more like holy crap, you have an amazing house, but you have like five grown adults that are all or four grown adults that are all contributing right. to paying for this mortgage in the house plus after a while you know uh dj and stephanie get old enough where they had they probably had jobs i mean i don't think they ever really showed them working but you know if they did i'm sure they would contribute the money towards the the bills as well oh absolutely that's a, oh my god the way you're like i would have never thought of that i'm listening to your picks like <laughs> oh of course to piggyback off of the uh, the Time Lord technology backyard, I cheated a little bit too and chose the TARDIS because it's bigger on the inside. It's you. It's an impossibly like infinitely large living space. While they're traveling, they are living in there. Could you imagine the property tax? Like you're only paying for like four feet by four feet. That's it. That's your property tax. That's the land that you own. Well, not even that. Like, they would just park that thing, you know, on the street, in a park, like, wherever, <laughs> because it was blending in with the background. Like, people see this police box, they're like, that's weird, but they don't think anything of it. But there's been things like swimming pools, libraries. There was... Uh, a couple companions in the 11th Doctor season that had to sleep in the same room on bunk beds. So I thought that was kind of funny. But just, like, it's it's changed so much over the years where you could literally make that into any kind of living space that you want. So I, I just, I had to go with that. Plus, you know, the luxury of traveling anywhere in time and space is also an added bonus that comes with that house. Nice. <laughs> so, and my last one... Uh, y- you're gonna geek out about it with me. The Drake and Josh house. From yes. the Nickelodeon TV show of my childhood. Like, looking at that pictures of that house like today too, it was a gorgeous house. And this house kind of just came to my to my thought process when going through this because Drake posted a video. Drake as in like Drake from Drake and Josh, not like Drake Drake. The rapper. The Drake we like. Yeah. <laughs> but he posted uh, a video that they tore down that house. It's what? gone. 
And it was a gorgeous house. Uh. Plus, just like that bedroom, that which again was a TV set, but that bedroom was huge. It had like a living room area. There was like a lofted area where one of them slept, and the other one had their huge like area. That bedroom was as big as a living room. Well, the thing you never see too is before the show started, technically speaking, only one person had that room. Right? <laughs> I would never leave my room. My parents would never see me. They had a mini fridge up there. All I needed was a little kitchenette. I would never leave. It I'd would, have a ladder out the window. It would be like if this basement that we're in right now was your bedroom. Yeah. I'll have to talk to my wife about that. <laughs> you struck a chord in my heart. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, going down nostalgia memory lane with houses after looking at so many houses before finally finding our, my dream house with my girlfriend... Uh, yeah, these were our top media houses that we would want to live in if we had that opportunity. So, you hear all these crazy ones that we talked about, and we, each other, never thought of the other ones that we thought of. Let's hear from you guys. Please reach out to us. We want to hear from you in person. We want to hear from you on social media. We want to hear from you text messages. Let us know. We'll chalk them up. We want to talk about the houses that you guys thought were sweet. If you guys thought the Brady Bunch house was cool, I don't know why, uh, but or whatever, X-Mansion or all these different places, please let us know. Let's talk about it. Why don't I even think about the Wild Thornberry's RV? There are so many different possibilities. And of shows that we probably never watched or didn't love or movies, reach out to us, talk to us, so we can share your suggestions next week. And as exciting as that was, we're on to my favorite part of the week. Chattelock I know we were just talking about the TARDIS, but we're not time traveling. Believe it or not, one of the headlines for the Chattelock Checkdown is Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson officially is making his comeback to boxing versus Roy Jones Jr. Mike Tyson says that he was inspired by Jerry Rice's fitness to come back and fight. If you guys are not aware, Mike Tyson is 54 years old and has been retired from boxing for 15 years. He's still a beast, though. <laughs> if you guys go out, I will share. We can share the pictures of this too. We'll put it on our. We'll put it on our feeds. There was a picture of him from a year ago, in a, like a Clippers jersey at a game where he's just got the full dad gut on him. Whatever. Nine months later, flash forward to him in the gym. His hands are as fast as they ever was. I would never want to be on the other side of one of those. And the guy is slim, trim. He is look, he is terrifying once again. Not that Mike Tyson ever wasn't terrifying, but he's back in that Hulk mode, like ready to destroy. If anything, it's just inspiration for uh, any of us out here, especially after COVID and quarantine hit. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling that too. I'm at the heaviest that I've ever been. And then I look at that and I'm like, there's still a chance. Yeah, well, it also helps that he doesn't have to work and he's a millionaire because of the boxing he did all through the yeah, 90s. Yeah, that's, that's true. You're absolutely that right. That and all of the uh, hangover cameos that he yeah. had. <laughs> uh, off of Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. is 51, and he has been inactive for two years. So, even at the age of 49, Roy Jones Jr. was still boxing. So, this guy is not coming off the couch. This guy has been a lot more active than Tyson. Granted, Roy Jones Jr. was never the phenom that Mike Tyson was. But again, Mike Tyson was popular before you and I were in middle school. 
before you and I were in elementary school. Like, yep. He was a phenom back in the 90s. It has been a while since he has been the big-name boxer that he was before. And speaking of big-name boxers, George Foreman has come out and said in an interview, is it worth it? The head injuries, the trauma that comes from this, is it worth the publicity, the money, whatever it may be, to come back out for one last fight? This isn't going to be Mike Tyson's reunion tour. No. He's not coming back for ten more fights. I get it, the drive, the love of the game, but is it worth it? I would say yes, because it is like the one big love of his life, the thing that made him big. And not only that, but, like, I mentioned The Hangover, like, him cameoing in that. He had, like, a cartoon on Adult Swim. Like, if anything, those little things that he's cameoed in and that he's, like, stayed kind of relevant in, like, people like us that didn't get to enjoy him in his prime that have experienced him outside of the sports world this brings that interest to that audience to watch this, to bring attention back to him, you know. And if this event is as big as it should be, like, this could span a plethora of opportunities for the guy outside of this match. Absolutely. And I guess that's the point. Relevance, like, being relevant is what, you know, this brings back to the to the surface. But again... I understand where George Foreman is at. I understand where his head is at. Well, I can't because he's about as scrambled as scrambled eggs. But that's not the point. You name five kids all George Foreman Jr. It's a mess. But again, boxing is a dangerous sport. It's really scary. You know, we've seen some really bad matches where they've gone really wrong really fast. Hopefully, we get to see a revitalized Mike Tyson. I don't want to see two guys going at it just pushing each other around the ring for a couple hours. That's not what I want to see. Let's see a real match. Let's get out there. Let's see a real fight. It's like the real-life version of Rocky, almost, if you think about it. Oh, absolutely. And, like, what, like who wouldn't want to see that? I mean, I've shown time and time again how big of a sports guy I am during these segments that we do on this podcast. But, like, I want to watch this. Like, I'm curious. I want to see the outcome. I want to see what happens. And it's just because of the legacy of the man himself i want to see like what what happens with this fight so let's take something that we are super excited about to something no one on the planet is excited about big news out of washington after weeks of uncertainty the washington nfl franchise took another step in retiring its long time moniker cbs sports reports that on thursday washington announced that they would be called the Washington football team. <laughs> Do we have the ability to go womp, womp, womp? You just we did. Need to. <laughs> um, effective immediately, this is not a final renaming and rebranding for the team. This is just the name they want to use until the pending adoption of a new name in the future. You know why they had to do this, though. Because did you hear, we didn't talk about this on the Chattelac Checkdown yet, but did you hear about the guy who went ahead genius. and, like, copyrighted all those different, like, it was, like, 50-some names the that they could have Bandits, went. The Washington Capitals, the Washington Defenders, the Washington Destroyers. This guy just went out and CC'd all of these awesome names for a football team. So on top of them being pinned between a rock that is don't be racist anymore and a hard place hey you're gonna pay me millions of dollars for whatever name you choose 
here we are, the Washington football team. Right? I mean, they, they've they kind of botched this whole process as it went along. Why they announced that they were going to rename before they even had a name to begin with. Or even like a batch of names. Like you have five names that, you, that you're like, we love all these. We're going to pick one, copyright them, hold on to them, we own them. We're going to rebrand. So then this chucklehead who's like, I'll own all these names. Did they not learn anything from that South Park episode when they didn't have the name of the Washington Redskins like copyrighted? So then the South Park boys copyrighted it for their own business and made millions of dollars? Like, this is this has happened before. I get it, it's media, but like <laughs> if you don't plan your if you don't plan your life around Simpsons or South Park. You're a dummy. If you don't take all of your historical accuracies from those two shows, you're a chump. Uh, This is a mess. I can't say much more than that about it, and I'm not going to say much more than that about it. Brian, do you have anything to add to it? Because that's about all I can call this. That's what they should name it. The Washington Mess. Yeah. I mean, at that point, like, you're Washington. Why not think of, like names i mean i get that they want to be that they probably want to be somewhat respectful and like pay homage to like the past of like the redskins and like the native americans and whatnot but you're washington you have so many like historical references and names that you could probably pick that this guy didn't copyright yet the washington georges no or even just like the washington I don't know, like the Founding Fathers or something like that. Or Washington like... Washington Founders. Yeah! Something like... Also there's people would deem maybe a little racist as well. But I mean, you could... There's so many options. Exactly. There's no way this guy pigeonholed all of them. And again, you're a football team in the NFL. You're a business. You can... And football take... is not going on right now. Like, the world is shut down. What else do you have going on right now other than sitting on a Zoom conference call discussing what you're going to be naming your your franchise your legacy for your football city and that's a great point and we're not going to get to that right now but we are going to talk about what i see and what we see in the future of sports in the next year but before that we're going to talk about the fact that my team may or may not have thrown away the entire future or the next few years what did they lose uh russ no god don't (laughs) talk like that knock on wood Uh, stick a needle in your eye whatever good news we need to do espn.com bill barnwell staff writer reports for the fourth time in three years an nfl team is hoping to make a leap to the next level has traded away two first round picks to acquire a young superstar the seattle seahawks traded away two first round picks a third round pick and bradley mcdougall for Jamal Adams, Jets star, all pro Jamal Adams safety, and a fourth round pick. Let me dive head first into this, and I will say there is a very good chance that Jamal Adams is the next Earl Thomas for the Packers. He is the next perennial defensive back for Seattle. Still having KJ Wright, still having Shaquille Griffin, still having Bobby Wagner. There's a lot of really, really good pieces on that Seattle defense. Plus, this whole Jadavian Clowney thing isn't totally fleshed out yet, so we'll see where that lands. This is a is a huge move, and for those of you who are skeptics or have negative opinions of this, 
Seattle Seahawks draft picks. It's the first round of the next year and the, the first round of the following year. Seattle draft picks don't fall any earlier than 23, 24, 25. I'm sorry, you're not going to find a Jamal Adams talent, a top five, a top 10, possibly top five safety or top five defensive back in the league with those picks. You're just not going to find that. And yes, oh, it's your future. It's the future picks. I don't know. Bradley McDougal isn't a huge loss. Your their third, your fourth is kind of a wash, and these two first round picks, I think, are a huge win. I think he could be a huge piece to the Seattle defense. Cricket, 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 cricket. 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 Um, I got nothing. <laughs> this is big for me. This is big trade news that I follow. Um, Seattle, I think, made a huge move in this. And again, a lot of people are like, I don't think he's the piece that they need. I don't think he's big enough to change it. Don't look at it as one guy. Don't look at it as Jamal Adams. Look at that whole defense and look what one perennial safety could really tie it all together because that's what's really going to make a difference for this team. I guess the one thing that I could say is that you said that he was like a Jet superstar, which isn't saying much, but at the same time, like... It it also says that he hasn't really had that opportunity to show like to really shine and show his talent being with a team like the Jets. He was one of the guys who basically like drew Le'Veon Bell in, who drew some of these talents in that were like, Oh, we're gonna do it in, in New York, we're gonna do it and then Jamal Adams was like, Get me the out of here. Get me the frogs out of here, get me the fudge out of here, I'm done with this town. And then when he left, Le'Veon was like, bro. <laughs> so we'll see how that pans out. We'll see if we can see him play this year or what may happen. Um, one of the things looking forward to the future uh, of sports, NCAA delays their decision on fall sports. In an article that I cannot cite because, of course, I didn't cite it like Brian always does, so I'll probably get sued for this. Uh, NCAA.com, ESPN.com, CBS.com, um, BleacherReport.com, that'll cover it. Um, the NCAA Sports Board decided to push back all discussions on the fall sports seasons for all sports back to August. So they met last week. Nobody could come to an agreement on what they wanted to do for sports this coming college season. So while schools have been taking their individual um, steps to do only conference play, like we talked about the Ivy League not doing any sports in the fall, the NCAA has not made an official ruling on it. We talked about this before. I do not see college players who are not getting paid to play this sport millions of dollars or how much ever you know their respective professional sports gets played i don't see them being so happy-go-lucky to come out onto a sports field where on a campus people aren't even allowed or half of the campus is allowed with online schooling and things like that i just don't know i understand that's a big revenue for the ncaa and for these schools i just don't see how you can make it happen uh i I don't know. I'm I'm milling this in my head. I'm thinking about what you're saying, but then I also think of the fact that like they aren't being paid these millions of dollars to say no. I don't want to do that. Like a lot of these college athletes are going into this being like, this is my one shot. So if somebody tells me to run, I gotta say how far. If they're telling me to say jump, how high. If they're telling me you gotta play in this environment that we're in today, you, you just gotta say all right when i mean if you think about it that way but i i kind of agree with you that i don't think that 
sports are gonna happen just due to the fact that like i don't think schools are gonna happen this fall like i don't think people are gonna be back to school and if schools aren't having kids back how can you have the athletes come back too? like some of the, a lot of kids that go to college they don't live in the town that they go to college in a lot of them go out of state you know back home or whatever and to get them all back to the campus unless they had like you know we're gonna have temporary living space for you i don't see how that's gonna happen and another thing too is like the last thing that is coming to my head as i'm thinking about this is just the fact that like i feel like with a lot of things that are being affected with corona i don't think there's gonna be a full widespread like equally agreed upon plan I think some schools are probably going to be opening up and are going to have kids on campus and are going to do classes like normal. And then there's going to be the others that are like, nope, we're going to do the fall semester from home virtual. So if unless you have all the schools in the NCAA agree on one plan as far as like school programming goes, I don't think you're going to get sports to be happening either. Oh, absolutely. And again... So riffing right off that, talking about more COVID stuff, and again, I think there's a bigger drive to get professional sports back active than there is college sports and other sports because money, yep. money makes the world turn. Let's talk about sports and COVID. Last week we talked about the NBA bubble, having all those tests with no positive results. First thing let's talk about, Lou Williams. Lou Williams is sixth man of the year, two times, three times over, I think. He got tattled on or ratted out by the anonymous hotline of the NBA bubble because he left the bubble and then came back. Do you want to know why he left, Brian? Why did he leave? To get chicken wings. <laughs> They're living in literally the Beverly Hills, Florida, with basketball courts and all the room service you could possibly need. He had to leave the bubble for chicken wings, and he's on social media blasting people for ratting on him. Bro, the NBA season could possibly halt because you needed some flats and hot wing sauce. And you're the guy who's mad about it. No, everybody should have called you on. Are you kidding me? Lou Williams, you're not a starter. You're the sixth man of the year for a reason. You're going to uproot the whole NBA because you needed a snack? Dude, you're living in the Beverly Hills. You could have ordered whatever you wanted in the bubble. Uh, I think this is a good example pedestaled example of just like the world that we're living in i mean people are going around they're doing whatever they want they're not wearing their face masks at least here in wisconsin or if they are wearing their face masks it's like you know so their nose is hanging out and they can still breathe better or whatnot they're not social distancing uh there's people posting pictures of being in groups of like 20 40 people doing parties and whatnot like People are just doing whatever they want. And this is a guy who, yeah, he's not like a starter, like you said, but he's still in the NBA. He still feels entitled and he still is like, you know, I play for the NBA. I'm going to do what I want and I want some hot wings. So I'm going to get some hot wings. Folks, uh, please uh, look forward to a PSA announcement that's going to come from the Midwestern nerds uh, that compares noses out of masks to wieners out of pants. Um, it's exactly the same thing, and you should expect a video, uncensored, unedited, because that's how raw we are. It won't be us, though. 
No, 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 no. It'll we'll, be, we'll spare you that. One of the, the one of the famous Ryan's, or Reynolds, or Gosling, or one of the famous Chris's, Pratt, or Evans, or or Hemsworth. We'll, we'll make sure we trust me. We have that Midwestern nerds money. I don't know if you guys can hear my air quotes because I'm doing it really hard. Um, some good news when it comes to COVID. Um, that's that doesn't sound right. Um, some good news when it comes to sports in the world of COVID. NHL had over 800 players tested and no positive tests inside of their two hub cities. This is really exciting. For somebody who, it breaks my heart, that the Red Wings will not be there, hockey is back. It's exciting to see that hockey is back, sports are back and moving forward, and with no positive tests and over 800 players tested, we're going to start seeing some sports. Yeah, and that's incredible. Amazing. We can sit down and watch sports again. The world is moving forward. Yeah, the hockey's back. The NBA's coming back real soon. Uh, and baseball came back already. So, oh, Brian. <laughs> That's my next topic, Brian. Yes, before we get out of the excitement of the NBA again, guys, the NBA will start. Now that we're talking about this, uh, when this comes out, the Clippers and Lakers and the Jazz and Pelicans will have already played, but this can get you hyped up for Fear the Deer, the Bucks Nation. The Bucks will be playing tonight against the Celtics. When you hear this, if you listen to it right away, um, I think there's like six or seven games, like of the other than the four teams of the 22 teams that aren't playing on Thursday. I think everyone else is playing. Friday. Friday. Today. Today, Friday. We record this early, so it's really hard to remember. Today. Today. <laughs> today. 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 So after, after you listen to this episode of the Midwestern Nerds, then go check out the NBA games going on. And if you can't quite finish it, if you're like, oh my god, they told me that this game is on, and it's already five minutes in, go watch the game, but then come back to us, because... Well, NBA is awesome. We're worth it. There you go. <laughs> um, so, with the good news of COVID, sports, the bad news, it only took one weekend for somebody to screw it up. The MLB came back last week. Um, Brewers-Cubs uh, series was awesome to see. Some slow games were awesome to see. Baseball back. It only took one weekend, and the Miami Marlins had 17 positive tests. Woof. 17 positive tests, so many positive tests that the Nationals voted they will not play the Marlins. Regardless of the penalties, regardless of if it goes on a loss on their record, they voted as a team not to play the Marlins. Uh, I don't blame them, but how how crappy would that be, though, if then, you know, they took the, the L, they took the loss because they didn't play them, and then the next team decided the same thing in the next team, and then all of a sudden... The Marlins are, like, in the COVID World Series or whatever you call it just because nobody wanted to play them. If the Marlins go to the World Series because of enough forfeits from playing against them, I promise on this podcast, digitally recorded and saved, I will drive down to Miami to their clubhouse when they are practicing, lock all the doors, and burn the building to the ground. You're welcome, Yankees fans. You're welcome, Astros fans. Just kidding, we hate you. You're welcome, Brewers fans. You're welcome, everybody fans. That is a promise from Chad, the Chadillac coffin. I will burn them to the ground. This is a mess. 17 positive cases with one team after one weekend. It's a mess. These clubhouses are not safe. There is no social distancing in the, in the dugouts. They're not wearing masks properly. 
and, and again, Rob Manfred shits the bed again. They're traveling city to city. Look at every single other sport right now. The NFL, not operating. NBA, one city. NHL, two cities. Rob Manfred, the whole country. We can do it. We're baseball. It'll be great. You're an idiot. You are a moron. It is an inconceivable level of narcissism that thinks that you cannot be affected by this. The entire world was affected by this virus. And if you think you can continue to operate the same that you've always operated just by offering masks to players and saying, let's social distance, you're an idiot. I don't know why they didn't do a similar tactic like the NBA, you know, choose one city. I mean, I, I get that MLB is kind of big, but if that's the case, then just break it up into like, all right, we're going to have our divisionals or conferences or whatever and we're gonna like these teams are gonna be in this city these teams are gonna be in this city and these teams are gonna be in that city and just have those teams play against each other and then eventually move you know move those teams around when you're sure no one has the rona when you're sure everything is safe when things are better it's just not worth it there's better there's better plans than what were executed. Oh, absolutely. And you see it in the other sports. You see it in the other sports industries. Why can the NBA and the NHL do it, but the MLB and I'm going to guess the NFL can't. But or even even if they would have done that, you know, had like certain teams in like certain cities and then whoever won those, like that's when you come together for your big playoff whenever you can go back to normal. Some form of a plan that wasn't we're going to do exactly what we regularly do, but with a shorter season and hope it doesn't go bad. If this podcast ever reaches anybody big in power who just can't think of ideas like this, I am a go-to idea guy. Hire me, pay me all the money, and I will think my your way out of your shitty situations that you put yourselves in. Also, <laughs> we have plenty of seating in this basement, and this is an all-pickup mic. So guess what? Sit wherever you want, and we'll talk about this, and we'll figure it out. Just bring your lawyers, and bring all your people, and we'll talk about it, and we'll tell you how to dig yourself out of a hole in Western nerds style. Yeah! But, enough of the bad news, on to the good news. We're going to start with Brian with the best stuff. Last episode, we talked about movies that either got pushed back or delayed due to corona, but there was one movie that made its way out to be released digitally on Hulu, and that is the comedy called Palm Springs. This was a rom-com by Andy Samberg, also starring Kristen Milioti, who was the mom in How I Met Your Mother, Camila Mendez from Riverdale, and J.K. Simmons, just to name a few big names. This movie is about two characters that are stuck in a time loop, There are two wedding guests that develop a budding romance while living in the same day over and over again. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like your Groundhog Day, your Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat, whatever you want to call that movie, your time loop movie where there's a character or sets of characters that are reliving the same day over and over and over until they find the resolution at the end of the movie. But the thing that i really enjoyed about this movie was that uh, like a lot of andy samberg's recent 
projects that he's been doing, whether it's Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Popstar or some of like the movies that he's been in and developed. This movie takes concepts that are familiar and goes a smart way that hasn't been done before. Uh, this is... Again, I've listed off like two other movies that have done the the time loop, reliving the same day kind of scenario. Even the movie that I hate and will not talk about other than mentioning the Happy Death Day movies. I've got some, some grudges against that movie, which we'll go into probably in another podcast. But these are tropes that have been done time and time again in movies, but this movie does it in a different and smart way. And it's funny. I mean, Andy Samberg, I will say time and time again, is probably one of, in my opinion, one of the funniest human beings like that's alive today. And I highly recommend this movie. You want to do, you want to do a best off recommendation? Sure. Um, with Palm Springs, I've seen it pop up on Hulu a handful of times, and I've skipped over it. But you had me at Camila Mendes. It's only an hour and a half long the cast is phenomenal the story's great it's funny and it's just a new movie you know it's it's one thing to go through all the classics all your favorites dive into some movies that have been out for a while that you just haven't checked out but eventually it's gonna get to the point in corona world where you're just hungry for a new movie and if you're hungry for a new movie i highly suggest this movie especially since it's on hulu so it's pretty highly accessible. And if you are hungry for something other than movies in the way of audio for your ears, and you've already listened to all the episodes of Midwestern Nerds, because that's, of course, the highest quality of audio that's available, I would definitely recommend An Oral History of the Office with Brian Bumgartner, available on Spotify. So the first episode is available all over the place, but the rest of them are only available on Spotify. Um, while other episodes, other podcasts have dove into The Office, like The Office Ladies, where Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsley sit down and break down each episode one by one and give you some behind the scenes. Uh, Brian Bumgarner, if you guys don't know, is Kevin. Um, the one thing you'll have to get used to early is he does not sound like Kevin. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen or heard anything that uh, Brian Baumgartner's done outside of the office, he sounds absolutely different than Kevin. Um, it is a phenomenal dialogue and breakdown of the show that we all love. If you are an office addict, if you are an office newbie, if you are somebody who just lo- loves or likes the show, this podcast is awesome. It literally starts from where the creator saw the British office for the first time to two days later meeting Ricky Gervais and having dinner with him. It breaks down every single part. The beginning of the show, pitching it to Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais is an American show. Casting, uh, you know, bring these lovable losers in here. The pilot all the odds that they were up against and it's releasing like we've talked about that we either love or hate weekly so it drops new pods every week i think this week is the fifth episode i've not seen the fifth or not listened to the fifth yet but the first four are amazing if you again like i said if you have indulged in the office to any level this podcast will suit your fancy 
And my last best stuff recommendation for the week is something, again, a little different. I like to bring in not just the same kind of material to the table, something a little different, and that would be in the form of a Kickstarter project called The Inevitables. The Inevitables is an art and music project based on a group of nobodies trying to save the world. However, the creators are far from nobodies. Uh, the main head creator of this project is Vinny Fiorello. I'm probably butchering that last name, but he is one of the members of Less Than Jake. And this is um, a full-length album and a 22-page single comic book issue that crosses uh, the bridge through gray areas between haves and have-nots. Uh, both this album and this 22-page comic book story uh, takes place in the not-so-distant future when Big Pharma has been able to produce a cure for death. Of course, there's a big number on that price tag that reflects such a coveted item. Just like the bridge itself, a further it further divides the mega wealthy from the working class. It's about time they get a reality check that playing God has consequences and death is inevitable. On one side of the bridge is the home, the Inevitables, the unlikely team of a punker, a drug dealer, graffiti artist, mystic bodega owner, and a middle-aged Christian couple who come together to take on the challenge that is Night Pharmaceuticals. Uh, this is a whole big world, big project. I, I find it interesting that it's a bunch of ska artists coming together to form this band called The Inevitables and branching outside of just music storytelling into comics. Uh, this is a project that just recently went up on Kickstarter. Their goal is to reach $20,000 to back this project. As of uh, the recording of this podcast, they're already at 19000 So there's only a little bit more yet that they need to get this up and up and rolling and they still have 36 days left to go so after they reach that 20,000 goal then they're going to be coming out with different rewards if you're a backer and they're just going to keep upping up the stakes uh this sounds really interesting they have a song um on their uh, kickstarter page that's going to be on the album um that's called fort lauderdale and it's, it's fun. If you're in the sky, if you're into bands like Less Than Jake, uh, Real Big Fish, um, any bands like that, and you just love not just music but comics as well, I, I would recommend checking this out. I personally am a backer of it, so I'll let you know when it comes out, when I get my hands on it, how good it is. Everything that you love, you got this week. You got the news, you got the intros, you got the socials, you got the streaming platforms, you got the Chattelac Checkdown, you got the best stuff, and we talked about houses that we love, and we want to hear about houses that you love. We ran a little bit long this week. We really wanted to talk about a user submission. One of our fans hit us up on Facebook about a question that he had in regards to not only Spider-Man, but also... The end of uh, into, the Spider-verse. into the Spider Verse, uh, just in regards to a handful of different pieces. Uh, we apologize, listener. We will get to you next week. We will talk about your question next week. 
we went a little long this week. We'll lead off with you next week because we apologize for letting it run this long and not getting you in here. We hear you guys. We really appreciate you guys reaching out. Awesome feedback on our who's your favorite superhero post. Awesome feedback on questions that we have from you guys. We really rely on your guys's feedback to keep the show going. Yeah, so if you have questions like uh, this listener that we're going to address next week, if you have some suggestions on the things that we talked about, you know, your Alien and Predator crossovers with Marvel, your favorite media houses that we talked about this week, any topics that we talk about, if you want to know more about it, let us know, ask us, and if we don't know the answers to them, we will definitely dive in and do our research to find those answers for you all. We promise we'll give you everything that you want. Again, we are at we are on Facebook, we are at Instagram, we are at Twitter, we are at Gmail, Midwestern Nerds. You can find us at a handful of different streaming platforms that we mentioned at the beginning, and we will give them to you in the post. And for your Midwestern nerds, I am Chad Coffin. And I'm Brian Stoffel. And whether it's beer, brats, comics, or pops, keep it nerdy.